This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, a visit with the laziest, fattest, but very brilliant armchair detective, Nero Wolf. Tonight's show is entitled Stamped for Murder. My boss is the smartest and the stubbornest, the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolf. <laughs> It's the adventure of Stamped for Murder with that brilliant, eccentric, private detective, orchid fancier and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Instructions for this morning, Archie. Your notebook, please. First, Mr. Salinsback, inform him that the Long Island peafowl he sent were most unsatisfactory. Peafowl's breast flesh is not sweet and tender unless it is well protected from all alarms, especially from the air, to prevent nervousness. Long Island is full of airplanes. Look, Mr. Wolf, I... I shall uh... want a dozen chickens that have been raised on blueberries and a fresh-killed lamb for tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Wolf, please listen, there's... Uh... Mr. Goodwin, be quiet, and then dinner on the following day becomes a problem. Mr. Wolf, dinner any day is going to be a problem if we don't pay Sausenbach's bill. And pay it. With what? The bank account's empty. Ridiculous. They were $4,000 yesterday. But you bought that shipment of orchid bobs from wine old Gluckner. Mr. Wolf, we need money. You've got to stop eating and drinking beer long enough to earn some. <laughs> You're an alarmist. Will you, for the love of heaven, stop turning down clients and turn an honest dollar? I've got a couple of prospects right outside the door. Send them away. No, sir. Send them away. Tell them I've gone to Egypt. Nothing doing, sir. Confound you, Archie. Obey order. Send them away. Miss Kent, Mr. Rodman, come in, please. Thank you. Confound you, Archie, you're mutinous. Yes, sir, and you're stuck with it. This is Miss Gloria Kent and Mr. Rodman. They arrived as advertised with a pressing problem. Good morning. You people are here by sufferance only. I shall speak to Mr. Goodwin about it later. Yes, indeed. I don't like pressing problems, Miss Kent. What are yours? My father. Indeed, I'm not a court of domestic relations, Miss Kent. What did your father do? Beat you? Withhold your earnings? Discourage your suitors. Mr. Goodwin should have informed you this office does not undertake cases involving marital or family problems. But that's not... If Mr. Goodwin had not been beguiled by your pretty face, he might have warned you and avoided this embarrassment to you and annoyance to me. Now, 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 take it easy, take it easy. How many times have I told you you don't know how to handle women? Then suppose you let Miss Kent handle me. Well, it's simply this, Mr. Wolfe. I had some money my mother left me. My father's just spent it without my permission. 
I want it back without a scandal. Thanks, Miss Kent. How much? How spent? $10,000. Father bought a treasure map. Indeed, from whom? A pair of swindlers named Cross and Halleck. They've driven him crazy, talking about fortune salvaged from the SS this and the SS that. He, he's got a map and old letters he studies. He, he's childish. Many fortunes have been recovered. Many more are wait on the sea bottom. How do you know your father has been duped? Well, I know. You do, Mr. Rodman. Yes. Cross and Halleck bought some old letters for me, written by my grandfather from Hawaii. They used them to manufacture the map and evidence. And that's what they sold to Kent. Father thought he was being so clever. He had the paper analyzed. Of course, the document research laboratory said the letters were genuine. They were. But something new had been added. I'd have never known if Mr. Rodman hadn't told me. You're a party to the swindle, Mr. Rodman? I was not. I never knew what they were up to. Mr. Wolf, you've got to help me. I can't do anything with Father. I can't convince him. Even Mr. Rodman can't... No, Miss Kent, I'm sorry. This is not for me. But you must. You must. Not in my office, madam. No tears. Please, please, Archie, stop her. Okay, okay, okay. Archie, when Miss Kent has finished her disgraceful exhibition, show them out. How dare you walk out on the... Easy, easy, easy. I know him. I know him. You don't. He gets into a panic when women cry, or else he's curious about what Fritz is cooking for lunch. Now, just uh, wait a minute, please. Oh, aren't you ashamed of yourself walking out like that on that poor kid? That hysterical gamma. <laughs> She's lost all of her money. She needs help. I charge high fees, Archie. So charge a small fee. Do you want her to starve? Good heavens. Starve? How monstrous. I'm not kidding. While you'll be in here smelling your dinner, she and her father will be starving. I thought you were bringing me a paying client. Well, this is different. She's, uh... You're beautiful. Archie, you're impossible. Oh, very well. Go back into them. Get names, addresses, facts. I am not committed to Miss Kent's case, but we'll see. Be a tribute I paid for your witness for a pretty face. <laughs> Rodman and Gloria Kent were gone, however... So all I had were the few facts they'd given me before they met Wolf. I felt guilty about that when he came back into the office and sat down in his specially built chair. He closed his eyes and I glared at him. Well, how much of you is awake? Mr. Wolf. Uh. Well, they disappeared. Did you tell me you were going to help this girl just to get her out of the office or did you mean it? You're a gadfly. No, sir. No, sir. You made a promise and you're stuck with it. What did you get from Rodman? Name, address, occupation. He's a librarian, that's all. Very careless, Archie. You missed a significant point. Such as, uh... How did Rodman discover the letters he sold were being altered by forgery and used for swindle? How did he locate the Duke, Mr. Kent? Uh, I guess you're right. I'll ask him next time. But uh, what about now? Are you going to get Gloria's money back? I assume you call Miss Kent Gloria solely in order to annoy me. It does. Stop it. Get Cross and Halleck. On my way. You'll find them at the Hotel Bogart. <laughs> Wrong, sir. According to my notes, their address is... Never mind their address. The Hotel Bogart is the headquarters for successful confidence tricksters. They celebrate their victories there while the money lasts. You will possibly find Cross and Haddock drinking whiskey or lunching. Probably both. <laughs> I located Cross and Halleck in the hotel bar and lured them back to our place on 35th Street. 
Wolf was sitting behind his desk with his hands crossed on his impressive middle, at peace with his lunch and the world when I ushered them in. He sat bolt upright and scorched me with a look. Good afternoon, Mr. Wolf. The tall one's name is Cross, the short one is Halleck. They uh, want to help me invest my money. Gentlemen, Mr. Nero Wolf. Huh? Who? Nero Wolf. Hey, what is this? Confound you, Archie. How drunk are they? Not too drunk for business. Let's get out of here. Come on. Wait a minute. You want me to keep him here, Mr. Wolf? Not by violence, Archie. Come back here, gentlemen. Unless you want seven years in the state penitentiary. Unless what? You got nothing on us, Wolf. Nothing. I have the Kent case. The Kent? That's a laugh. We're sitting pretty. Sitting pretty. You are not, sir. You imagine you possess legal immunity. Mr. Kent believes you are grotesque balderdash and will not sue for fraud. Miss Kent cannot sue because she is reluctant to accuse her father of wrongfully obtaining her money. Ergo, you think you are invulnerable. Now, listen. But you forget me. I'm a detective with a fee to earn. A big fee. Quiet, Archie. I am determined to get that fee. Therefore, as Miss Kent's agent, I can and will bring action against you. I'm indifferent to her tears or her father's disgrace. I'm indifferent to anything outside of money. You will return the $10,000 to me at once, sir, or you'll be in jail by morning. You mean that? I do, Mr. Cross. Alec, come here. Come on, honey. Uh, okay. Here, Mr. Wolf. Halleck and I have decided we don't want to get in any trouble with you. Here's your ten grand. Uh, let's have it. Give the dough to Kent, Mr. Wolf, and get the letters and map back for us. You've got a reputation for being tricky, but honest. We trust you. Come on, Halleck, let's go. Ha yeah, ha! <laughs> well, how about that? Preposterous. No, sir. Take a look. Ten thousand dollars. Genuine coin of the realm. That man crosses a fool. Does he imagine I ain't to be fooled so easily? What do you mean he left for money? He surrendered too quickly, Archie. Too easily. And that money in the envelope he was carrying all ready to refund. Why? Well, maybe he's got a better sucker. I heard him mention a Ben Sanford. Nonsense. Does he need Kent's forged letters and map to cheat this Ben Sanford? Couldn't he prepare another set? Uh, I guess you're right. Something's fishy. In any event, it's no concern of mine, thank heaven. Uh, why not? I'm not committed to Miss Kent in any way. As a favor to you, I undertook to regain her money. I have done that. You may take it back to her and obtain the forged papers in return. But, uh... Silence, Mr. Goodwin. Go to your redhead charmer. Leave me in peace. I intend to spend this afternoon with my new world atlas. <laughs> I left him 3,000 miles up the Amazon with his magnifying glass and drove up to East 69th Street. The Kent house was a broken-down little brownstone, and as I went up the stoop, the door opened and Gloria Kent burst out like a skyrocket. Hey, Miss Kent, easy, easy. Let go of me. Let go. What's wrong? What's wrong? Wrong. Wrong. Nothing is wrong. Nothing at all. Well, how about seeing your father? You want to see my father? Come inside. Oh, for the love of heaven. Come inside, Mr. Goodwin. I'll introduce you. He's in a back room. Come right through the living room. What else came through this living room? A hurricane? No, Mr. Goodwin. Something else. There's my father, Mr. Goodwin. What in the devil? He's dead. His throat's cut. Father. 
This is Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. He and his boss refused to help while they could. Maybe he can help you now. Stop it. All I'm good for now is revenge. That's all. Stop Archie. it. Stop it and look at me. When did it happen? I don't know. When did you find him? Just now. Keep looking at me. Who went through this house like a hurricane? You? No. Where did you go after you left the office? To the laboratory. What lab? Document research. The, the place that checked the map. How long were you there? Until an hour ago. I was with Mr. Rodman. Keep looking at me. Uh, and then? I had lunch. With Rodman? Alone. And then I came home. All right. All right, now listen to me. I want you to go to Mr. Wolf's uh, house right now. Uh, Have you got cab there? Yes. All right, take a cab. I've got to stay here, but I'll call Mr. Wolf and tell him you're on the way. Now get. I called Wolf, told him everything, and he instructed me to advise Inspector Kramer, who arrived with the homicide squad. I gave the inspector everything while the squad photographed and measured, print dusted and detected. At 3.30, Kramer took me back to the house on 35th Street for a fight with Wolf. It's a great story, Wolf. Great. Kent buys a phony treasure map. Everybody knows it's phony except Kent. But Cross and Halleck try to buy it back, and Kent gets himself murdered. Did you find the map and letters in the house, Inspector? No, no, I didn't. The killer was after the map. The phony map? Certainly. Why? Well, if we knew that, we would know why Cross and Halleck so willingly paid back the money and why Kent was murdered. Maybe it's not phony. I'd better see the girl now. Oh, you fancy her for the murder? Well, I'll know after I ask a few questions. Tonight. She's had a shock, Mr. Kramer. She needs rest. Look, Wolf, I want her. Why bother with her when there's so much to be done? Yes, such as? Cross and Halleck, find them. And the mystery man they spoke of, Ben Sanford. These are the men you want now, not this poor, overwrought girl. Yeah. All right. The girl will be here for questioning tonight, though, huh? Tonight, Mr. Kramer. Okay. You'll hear from me later on. <laughs> well, you buffaloed him out of that, okay. Say, uh, why don't you want her questioned? Is she guilty? I don't know. Well, what did she say when she got here? She said nothing. She never arrived. She never what? She never arrived. Well, then why did you tell Kramer she was resting? Would he have believed the truth? <laughs> she must be found. More important, we must learn why forged letters and forged map produces turmoil. Find the killer and you find the map. You said so. I said the reverse, which is an altogether different statement. Archie, I want a photograph of that map. Get it. Oh, sure, sure. Any particular camera you want me to use? You'll find the photograph at 200 Vanderbilt Street. Are you kidding? The lab cannot check the authenticity of old papers without photographing them in ultraviolet light, infrared light, and so on. If this document research lab has examined those papers, they will have photographs. Get them. He got out of his chair and waddled back to the house elevator. It was four o'clock and time for his regular afternoon session with the orchids. I drove down to the document research laboratory on Vanderbilt and got such a shock that I grabbed the office phone and dialed Wolf at once. Mr. Wolf, Archie here. What's the matter? Are you lost? No, sir. No, sir, but I found something. Photographs? No, Mr. Wolf. I don't think you'll ever see any photographs of the Kent map. I don't think any were taken. Indeed. But uh, guess who runs the document research laboratory? 
No, 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 no. Don't guess. You probably know. A man named Ben Sanford, and he's sitting right here looking at me. Bring him home with you. Home? But it's four in the afternoon. This is the sacred hour when you pray over your orchids. And Mr. Sanford can join the ceremony. Hey, how about this place? How about it? There must be a million flowers up here. <laughs> no, not flowers. Orchids only. Mr. Wolf has 10,000 plants. Never saw anything like it. And you never will again, brother. Hey, uh, what, uh, what kind is that on the bench? Oh, that. That's our pride and joy. Odontoglossum harianum. Above them, the Van Petersirana. And the pink ones are the Silogiani uh, Pandoratas. Now, the large object, mulching flower pots, is Nero Wolf. Mr. Wolf, Ben Sanford. Good afternoon, sir. Hi. I came along to be obliging. I've got nothing to say about anything. How much have you offered Cross and Halleck for their treasure map? No comment. Mr. Sanford, I'm going to make some assumptions. I assume that you are not, in fact, a document expert, but an accessory to the fraud of Halleck and Cross. No comment. And you actually prepare fraudulent maps for those swindlers, and then in the guise of an expert, guarantee their authenticity. No comment. But this you must answer. You did guarantee the authenticity of the map and letters can't bought. It's on record. All right, I did. Then will you admit they were forged? What are you, a comic? No. You guarantee the value of the Ken map? Yes. As an expert? Yes. Then you've convicted yourself of murder. What? Murder? What is this? Mr. Kent was murdered, sir. Evidently for the map and letters he bought. But of all persons involved, you alone believe in the value of the map. No one else does. Therefore, you alone would have murdered Kent for the map. For the love of... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> chew it over, brother. Chew it over. Either way, he's got you. Okay. Okay, you... You want me to level? Here it is. Level, Archie? Okay, boss. Thief-type talk. It means tell the truth. It's like you say, the letters were bought from Rodman. I forged the map and evidence on them. I guarantee them to Kent. The swindle. The letters are without value? Oh, sure, they're old, that's all, from 1851. Just tired family gossip and stuff. Indeed. There we have the problem again, Archie. Mr. Kent is swindled with a map and letters that are known to be worthless. He alone believes the fantasy of the treasure. There isn't any treasure, never was. Yet Cross and Halleck refunded the swindle money so eagerly. It is obvious they want those worthless documents back badly. Someone else wants them so bad he murders Mr. Kent. Why? I don't know. Ah, gee, we must find the girl. There's a chance she turned to Mr. Rodman for refuge. I'm sorry, you'll have to go there at once. If the girl isn't there, bring Rodman. Yes? Hello, Rodman. Remember me? I'm Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. Oh. Oh, yes, of course. I came to get Gloria Kent. There's been a change in plans. Tell her to come out, please. Gloria? Well, she's not here. Why should she be? Haven't you heard? Heard what? Well, I guess you'd better come down and see Wolf. Uh, Mr. Goodwin, I'm afraid I can't. I'm rather busy. Look, Rodman, maybe you ought to know. Old man Kent was murdered. What? Yes, yes, just after you and Gloria left us. Kent murdered? Well, I... Oh, this is awful, Mr. Goodwin. You it's... want to see Mr. Wolf now? Get your hat. Murder. 
Well, believe me, I never wanted this. I, I'm going to tell Nero Wolf the whole mess. Every word of it. Okay, then. Come on, let's go. Yes, of course. Just a minute. I'll get my hat in the bedroom. Murdered? Can't. I never dreamed. <sighs> come on, Rodman. Come on, Rodman. Come on. What? I didn't hear you. Oh, Rodman. What the... Oh, Rodman. Oh, Rodman. Good Lord, what next? Come on, come on. This is Nero Wolf. Archie here. We've had a tough break. Yes? While I was waiting for Rodman at the front door, he went into the bedroom for his hat. The killer was there. How do you know? He cut Rodman's throat. Kevin. The back window was open. It's a ground floor apartment. He was out and gone before I had a chance. Archie, where were your wits? Let me alone. I've had a man murdered 20 feet from me. You think I'm cheering? Mr. Kramer is here, and he has news for us, Archie. He could not locate Cross and Halleck in their apartment. They had not been home all day. The maid informed him that she was waiting for her weekly salary. Well, so what? She was most angry and peppery. Mr. Kramer informs me. Red pepper? Exactly. Okay. Okay, maybe I know what you mean. I'll try to deliver the goods this time. Goodbye. I drove down to the apartment house on Gramercy Square where Cross and Halleck lived, took the elevator up to the 10th floor, found the right door, and slipped in with a pass key. Come on out. Come out wherever you are. I know you're in here. You fooled Kramer pretending to be the maid, but you didn't fool Wolf. You'd better... Gloria! Cut it out! Cut it out, you idiot! Lay off! Archie, Archie, you dope! Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office! Remember me? Give me the gun, Gloria. Give it to me! That's right. Who, uh, Who did you think I was? Alec. Oh, brilliant. So Wolf figured you out, huh? Oh, you are a brave girl. They killed your father. You came up here and waited for them. You were going to kill them right back, huh? Oh, that red-headed temper. And you bluffed Kramer into thinking you were the maid. I had to do something. It was the only thing I could think of. To come here and kill him. Well, you're coming home with Archie. And just remember one thing. When Wolf's working for you, don't try to do any thinking. It only gets in Wolf's way. I got Gloria Kent back to the house at 7 o'clock. I parked the car, brought her into the office, and got the shock of my life. There was a convention on. Wolf was there with Inspector Kramer representing the cops. Cross, Halleck, and Sanford were there representing the crooks. When Kramer saw Gloria, he scowled first at her... And then at Wolf. So it was a slick one after all, Wolf. You didn't have the girl. You had no intention of producing her. Please, Mr. Kramer, I can wait. There are other matters more important. I dine at eight. That leaves me one hour to solve your murders. Murders? More than one? Yes, two. Elmer Rodman. I haven't good one if you... Please, Mr. Kramer, not now. First, Miss Kent. Good evening, Miss Kent. I presume you have met these gentlemen, Cross, Halleck, and Sanford? I... Yeah, I'll take your purse, please. Huh? Well, why? I... No, don't think me as naive as Mr. Goodwin, miss. 
When you left your home after the murder of your father, you took the map and letters with you. They are in your purse oh, now. That's true. Archie, the purse. Thank you. We have here an interesting situation. There exists some old letters and map, forged and fraudulent, which are worth $10,000 and more to Cross and Halleck and worth two murders to a killer. Why? There must be something of great value in the letters. Yes, such as? Something which Mr. Sanford could not see, although he worked on the document closely. Yet something which could be made manifest. What is the answer, Miss Kent? You know it? I swear I don't. Secret writing, Archie. Bring the chafing dish from the dining room. Right. Secret writing? I saw nothing when I worked on those letters. Naturally, Mr. Sanford, the writing is invisible. The heat is an agent. It makes most forms of secret writing visible. The chafing dish, boss. Thank you, Archie. Place it before me and light it. Right. Now I open Miss Kent's purse. From it, you see, I withdraw these ancient letters which he took from her house after her father's murder. That's not true. Archie. That's enough, Gloria. That's enough. From now on, you just listen. We remove the letters from the envelope and toast them gently. Secret Ink Vintage 1851 will easily succumb to the agency of heat. Careful. Those envelopes will catch fire. Hey, hey, hey. They're caught. Don't be upset, Mr. Cross, Mr. Halleck. The envelopes! They'll burn safely in the dish. We can concentrate on the writing. Watch closely. I don't want to be accused of trickery. You fat fool. The envelopes are everything. Put them out, Sanford. Don't sit there. Put them out. Why, Mr. Halleck? Well, the stamps, the missionaries, they're worth a fortune. The missionaries? Of course. You know that. Mr. Cross knows. So does Mr. Sanford, right? Yeah, yeah. Cross Sanford knows you old fool. Let me... Uh, Mr. Sanford is not alarmed. Why not, sir? I don't know what you're talking about. Fifty or a hundred thousand dollars is burning before your eyes, Mr. Sanford. Cross and Halleck are burning their fingers, putting out the flaming envelopes. And you sit there quite indifferently. Why? Well, I've... I've... Uh, I, you know the value of the missionary stamps on the letters you bought from Rodman. But you know these aren't the real letters. Isn't that it? Not the real letters? I told you I'm tough to crack, Wolf. You didn't fool me with those dummies. Dummies? How do you know? Mr. Cross didn't know. Mr. Haddock didn't know. How did you? Well, I... Uh... I'll tell you, sir. Only one man could know I was framing Miss Kent as a decoy... Only one man could know I prepared these dummy letters and pretended to take them from her purse. And that is the killer. The man who murdered her father and stole the map and letters this morning. You, sir, Mr. Sanford. Well, I'll be... Mr. Kramer, there's your killer. You'll find the missing map and letters on him or concealed in his home or office. You won't need the evidence anyway. Look at his face. He's self-confessed. Self-confessed like fun? He was booby-trapped. No, Mr. Craner. Not a complicated case, really. Very simple. Elmer Rodman sold a packet of old family letters to the swindlers for a small sum. They used the letters to perpetrate their fraud on Miss Kent's father. And the stamps on the letters were valuable? They were a special Hawaiian issue 1851, Miss Kent. Nicknamed missionaries, because missionaries use them for writing home. They are extremely rare stamps worth upward of $25,000 each. Hey, no wonder they were worth two murders. We found five of them on Sanford. Excellent. Somewhere or other, Rodman discovered the value of the stamps after he sold the letters. 
In his effort to get them back, he communicated his discovery to the swindlers, Cross, Halleck, and Sanford. So that's why they refunded the money so fast. Precisely, in an effort to have the sale rescinded. Rodman sought out Kent and tried to convince him of the fraud. Alas, he would not listen to the truth, Mr. Kramer. Oh, I get it. And while the others were hassling around, Sanford tried to steal a march and quietly resorted to murder. Ah, uh, there you have it. Ha <laughs> ha! Great job, boss, great job. So Gloria not only gets her ten grand back, but uh, five times twenty-five, which is about a hundred and twenty-five thousand worth of goodies. Now, figuring your rates by the hour, that means you've done a gratis job worth about... Yes, um... Ken. I did not, nor will I demand a large fee for what I have done. I will not go back on my word. But I can beg for a favor. I'll only be too happy to... Wait, wait, wait. I ask something that will not be easy to grant. What is it? Will you use your red hair, your pretty face, your admirable figure, and your ample fortune to lure Mr. Goodwin away from this house tonight? I would like to enjoy my dinner in peace. <laughs> that won't be difficult, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> Let's have an understanding right now, Gloria. Difficult for you or for me? I'll be delighted. <laughs> Indeed. To spend an evening with Mr. Goodwin, there is only one word for you, Miss Kent. Intrepid. <laughs> have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolf, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's story by Alfred Bester was based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout, produced by Edwin Fadiman, and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Wally Mayer as Archie Goodwin, and Gene Bates, Howard McNair, Jay Novello, Larry Dobkin, Bill Johnstone, and Herb Bygren. Music by Joseph Enos. Next week, at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The Case of the Careworn Cup. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Fay, who will lead us to the reason this first episode that aired in 1950 is entitled Red Paint on a Poodle. Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs> It's the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists. Good evening and aloha nui. Tonight, the makers of Rexall Drug Products and the 10,000 independent family druggists who recommend and sell them salute station KGU Honolulu and welcome you to the NBC network carrying the Harris Faye Show. Through the facilities of KGU, we extend greetings to all our friends on the islands and especially to the firm of Benson Smith, who have been Rexall druggists for the past 40 years. We landlubbers here on the mainland tell you in all sincerity that we're happy you've invited us aboard, and we hope that you'll become regular members of our listening audience. But wait, I'm sure the stars of our show can tell you much better than I just how we all feel. So, here's Alice Fay and Phil Harris. Phil, isn't it wonderful? Now we can be heard in the Hawaiian Islands. You bet it's wonderful, honey. When I think of all those lovely people way out there in the Mediterranean that Phil, are... the Hawaiian Islands are in the Pacific. When I think of all those lovely people way out there in the Pacific listening to our program, I just want to sing. Well, don't. This is no time for corn. All right, Smarty, what can I do? Why, tell our listeners in Hawaii how happy we are to have them with us every Sunday from now on. Okay. 
Folks, we're just bowled over that you're going to be with us every Sunday from now on. And that we'll do our very best to please them. We'll do our very best to please you. And that we'd love to have their letters and comments. And we'd love to have your letters and compliments. Still. Now, can I sing? What? That's what I like about the South? Think you're smart, don't you? Well, this time I'm going to sing That's What I Like About the South Pacific. Oh, no, you don't. We want Hawaii to keep listening. Aloha to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> Mr. Scott of Rexall and his wife are going on a motor trip for a few days. However, they have a very valuable French poodle named Madame Bovary, whom they would like to leave in good hands while they're gone. As we look in, we find Mr. Scott on the phone asking Phil if he'll take care of the dog while they're away. What's that, Mr. Scott? Uh... Mr. Scott, we seem to have a bad connection. What did you say? I said, I'm taking Mrs. Scott on a motor trip for a few days, and I'd like to leave Madame Bovary with you while I'm gone. Madame Bovary? Gee, Mr. Scott, I'd like to help you out, but I'm a married man. <laughs> Gee whiz, Alice is a little touchy about having other women around the house. I ain't going to... Harris, Harris, Madame Bovary is a dog. Oh, well, in that case, leave it with Ramley. He don't care what they look like. <laughs> Give me strength. <laughs> Look, cornball. <laughs> Madame Bovary is a dog. You know. Bow wow. Oh, oh. Ah, ah. oh, Scotty, you've been working too hard. <laughs> Harris, listen closely. I'll spell it for you. I want to leave a D O. No, that'll get him more confused than. <laughs> I've got it. Mr. Harris, when your wife is mad at you, where does she put you? In a doghouse. Cut it in half and you've got it. <laughs> That's what I want to leave with you. A dog. Well, why didn't you say so instead of getting me involved in one of them double in tandem routines? <laughs> I don't know nothing about what you're talking about. We'd be glad to take care of her. A nice dog. Bring her over. Thanks. I'll be right over with her. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Scott. Call, Phil. Oh, it's Mr. Scott, honey. He's taking his wife on a motor trip, and he wants to leave his dog with us. Oh, that'll be nice for the children having a dog around. Yeah. Well, if that Scotty's coming over with that dog, I won't be able to finish painting this chair right now. You better put the paint away now. I'll put the paint can away later. You know, Phil, we should have bought the girls a dog for Christmas. Frankie promised them one, but instead he gave them that horrible, uncouth gift. Hold it, Mercedes. <laughs> What's uncouth about a pool table? <laughs> in the house, and I'm going to tell Frankie. So where is he? He's in the den with the kids. Said he was going to help him with their homework. I'll call him. Hey, Remley, come in here a minute, will you? All right, Curly, I'll be right with you. Okay, Phyllis, it's your shot. <laughs> <laughs> Try the sixth ball in the side pocket, and this time don't cheat. <laughs> Keep one foot on the floor. <laughs> now, remember, you each owe me $3 so far. <laughs> 
before I was sure I could beat you. <laughs> okay, now, stop stalling and chalk up. All right. Uncle Frankie, how do I make this shot? Well, that's a cinch. Put a little English on the cue ball, kiss her off the seven, bank it off the corner cushion, you get it right in the side pocket. <laughs> it's an impossible shot. She'll never make it. Well, I'll try. Here goes. <laughs> Little wise guy. <laughs> well, Phyllis and I won that game. Now it's your turn to pay up. All right. Here's 50 cents in play money. I don't care, Uncle Frankie. When we win, you pay us in play money. But when you win, we have to pay you in real money. How come? Fortunes of war, my child. <laughs> now, if you kids will excuse me, I'll go see what your daddy wants. Girlie? Hey, do you want to see me, Curly? I want to see you, Frankie. It's about the pool table. Uh-oh, uh-oh, hold it a minute. That must be Mr. and Mrs. Scott. What are the Scotts coming here for? They're going away on a trip and they're stopping by for a minute. Excuse us, Frankie. Yeah. Hello, Harris. Mrs. Harris? Oh, hello, Mr. Scott. Come right on in. Where's Mrs. Scott? She's at home. I'm picking her up later. Well, here's Madame Bovary. Ah, hiya, Poochie. Ah, ah. Ah, she's a cute little thing. Does the old test tube leave yet? Oh, hi, Scotty. <laughs> oh, it's him. <laughs> Hello, Remley. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good to see you, too. You're looking fine, Mr. Scott. <laughs> well, Mrs. Scott. <laughs> You're looking your usual charming self. <laughs> nice to see you again. She's got a cold, eh? Friendly. One more nasty... Oh, no, no, it's just a mistake, Mr. Scott. Frankie can't see too well. He's wearing his nearsighted head today. <laughs> Look, Frankie, this is a dog. It isn't Mrs. Scott. Harris, I hardly think the identification is necessary. <laughs> As for you, Remley, this is the beginning of a new year. So why don't you get it off to a good start by doing away with yourself? <laughs> now, Mrs. Harris, I have to be running along now. Oh, I'll see you to the door, Mrs. Scott. All right, so long, Scotty. Come on, Frankie, let's take this dog in and show it to the kids, huh? Oh, uh, by the way, Mrs. Harris, I want to leave this dog whistle with you. Yes. Incidentally, don't think the whistle's broken when you blow it, because you won't hear it, but the dog will. Oh, Mr. Scott, you've been standing too close to Frankie. <laughs> I know I sound like him, but this is a supersonic whistle, and it's too high-pitched for the human ear, but a dog can hear it plainly. Oh, by the way, Mrs. Harris, I won't be here for the program Sunday, but I'll try to listen in. I'd hate to miss your song. I'd hate to have you miss it, too, and just to make sure you don't, I'll sing it now. <laughs> Bye-bye, baby, remember you're my baby, when they give you the eye, and just to show that I care, I will write and declare that I'm on the loose, but I'll stay on the square. 
drove off right in the middle of my song. Oh, well, as long as he sends the check every week, who cares? <laughs> I'd better put this dog whistle in a safe place. I wonder if it really works. i got to try it. Dog <laughs> heard it, but I didn't. Mr. Scott was right. It can't be heard by a human being. I'd better put it on the mantle so I'll know where it is. Well, it's a quarter to twelve. I'd better prepare lunch. Hey, Alice, where are those instructions that Mr. Scott gave you? I think this dog... Alice! Ah, well, I'll find them myself. I think she put them up on the mantel. Hey, I never saw this whistle before. Must belong to the kid. I wonder what it sounds like. <laughs> Must be broken. Maybe you have to blow it harder. Who's blowing that time whistle in here? <laughs> well, I'm blowing it, but... You heard it blow? Yeah. That's the shrillest sound I ever heard in my life. But Frankie, the whistle's broken. Look, I'll show you. <laughs> you want to break my eardrums? But I didn't hear nothing I Frankie My ears ain't working I must be losing my hearing Nah, that's nothing serious Some people are nearsighted You just happen to be near-eared This is no time for jokes Bill, lunch is ready Hey <laughs> Oh, honey, I got awful news for you. From now on, when you whisper sweet nothings in my ear, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> Nothing. Well, what are you talking about? I'm losing my hearing, honey. I've been blowing this whistle and I don't hear a sound. Of course you don't. It's a supersonic whistle. It can't be heard by human beings. Only by dogs. <laughs> oh. Well, thank God. Goodness, I'm all right. I didn't hear it, and Remley said he heard. <laughs> Remley. What are you staring at me for? Just because I heard the whistle doesn't mean that I. I. Hey, Shirley, if only dogs can hear it and I heard it, it must mean that I. Take it easy. Take down, Rag. <laughs> Frankie carrying on so. Alice, I got something amazing to tell you. When I blew this dog whistle, Frankie heard it. 
Somehow that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Honey, don't you understand? What did you say about the whistle? I said a human being can't hear it. But Frankie heard it. So? <laughs> what do you mean, so? This is awful. If I can hear like a dog, there must be something wrong with me. Maybe you're part Airedale. <laughs> don't be a funny man, part Airedale. I'll have you know I'm just as human as anybody. I'll be right in, dear. No! Oh, Curly, this All is right, her. take it easy, Remley. Take it easy. <laughs> just quiet down a minute now. Take it easy. You're nervous. Hmm. I'll soothe your nerves by singing something appropriate for a man in your condition. Oh. How about trees? <laughs> Wait a minute. Come to think of it, I got just the tune for you, Remley. Now sit back on your haunches, cock your ears, and listen to your master's voice. I recommend to every one of you who continue to do the things you do. Apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by. Basic, firm philosophy, do it naturally, like it ought to be. Try the fundamental and let the incidental go back. When old man trouble starts in hounding your doorstep, and he's got his grip around you, brother, that's the time you better watch yourself. Constantly. Consequently, I recommend you take this interview and apply it to everything you do, and you will find your knowledge more than any college could do for you. Cause it's only elemental to apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by. You brother, that's the time you better get more help. Consequential, I beg you take this little interview and apply it to everything you do, and you will find your knowledge is more than any college could do for you. Cause it's only elemental to apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by, by, by. F-U-N-D-I, 
I don't know how to sell it, but let the incidental go by. Now I know what's wrong with my ears, Curly. I always stand too close to you when you sing. <laughs> hey, Curly, do you think maybe there's something in my ear that's causing my strange affliction? Could be. Maybe you got a tick in there. <laughs> hey, hold still, Remley. I'll look in your ear and see. All over here. Hmm. Got a dark in there. <laughs> well, I light a match. Ah, <laughs> uh, let me see now. Hey, don't hold a match so close to my ear. Will, will you? you hold still? I want to study All this. Right. Hey, Mr. Eldridge, is anybody... Well, it's about time somebody set fire to Mr. Remley. Joey, alcohol, and him, he'd make a beautiful blade. You keep quiet, Julius. Now, hold still, Frankie. Hmm. Sure. I don't see nothing in your left ear, Remley. Well, come over here and look at his right ear. I see something astounding in here. What do you see? The light shining through from his left ear. <laughs> Julius, you can see the light shining through. <laughs> Julius, you mean. A bat just flew out of here. Julius, one more crack out of you and I'll... Uh, I'll spill this can of paint over you. Keep your shirt on. What are you looking at us here for anyway, Mr. Harris? Well, kid, Mr. Remley has a very strange affliction. You see, he hears like a dog. Hey, this guy's a regular menagerie. <laughs> what do you mean, menagerie? He hears like a dog, eats like a pig, and drinks like a fish. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of a litter of five. <laughs> Let's see, there was Prince, King, Rover, uh... Uh, 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 Mr. Lemon, please don't bark while us humans is talking. <laughs> That's a, you're getting this paint can right on your head. Take that! <laughs> you missed me! Oh, Remley, look what you got now. You got that red paint all over the dog. How am I going to explain this to Mr. Scott? How his dog got red? Tell me. Lovely kid. Yeah. He's a grand boy. He's got all the charm of an old man's knee. Remley, now look. Just take a look at that dog. He's covered with red paint. What are we going to do? If Scotty ever sees this dog like this, I'm a stitch to lose my job. Now, we got to get the paint off of her hair. Well, look take at that. it easy, will you? We'll get it off. Oh, sure. We'll All we have it. to do is... You go answer the phone. I'll get All the right. paint off All of the right. dog. Let's see. Where does Curly keep his electric razor? <laughs> 
Okay, stop shivering, Pooch. There you are. Hey, you look great, kid. Not a hair on hey, you. Hey, Remley, I got news for you. We're cooked. That was Mr. Scott on the phone. He had to postpone his trip, and he's coming over to get his... <laughs> Remley, where'd you get that plucked chicken? That's Scotty's dog. I shaved all her hair off. Oh, no. Oh, a nude French poodle? Somehow she looks indecent. Throw a rug or a kimono or something over her. I think she looks very attractive. Only to you, Rin Pin Pin. Frankie, if Scotty sees his dog like this, he's going to raise the roof. Her fancy hairdo is the most important part of a dog. I know that, and when Scotty gets here, she'll have hair. <laughs> Hand me that bottle of glue. <laughs> you mean you're going to paste the hair back on the dog? Oh, Curly, don't get hokey. Besides, there's paint on the old hair. I'm going to paste this on. Looks like poodle hair, but it's much more luxurious. Yeah, it is. What is that? Alice's Persian lamb muff. <laughs> I know what I'm doing every minute. Frankly, will you listen to me? You can't do that. It's too late. It's already cut, measured, and ready to fit. Now hold the dog still while I paste it on. Oh, Remley, why do you always get... Well, that's all we got left to do now, and I'll tell you something. We got to hurry, Frankie. Mr. Scott will be here any minute. Now, look, do you remember how her... Fancy hairdo look. Stop worrying, will you? I'll put it on just the way it was. You'd better. <laughs> well, she's all pasted, Curly. How does she look? I don't know, Frankie. Didn't she have a tuft of hair on, on top of her head? No. It was under her chin, just the way I got it. <laughs> well, maybe you're right. Hmm? But is it supposed to be shaped like a Van Dyke? <laughs> she looks like an ad for Boss Bear. <laughs> I think she looks swell. Notice how deftly I applied these clumps of fur here and there. Gives her a look of studied carelessness. Well, maybe she looks all right. Wait a minute. Hmm? What's that limp strip of fur hanging down the back of her? Oh, that's her new tail. <laughs> new tail? Mm-hmm. What happened to her old one? Well, while I was working on her, she kept swishing it in my face, so I glued it to her stomach. <laughs> oh, Frankie, this is a sad-looking animal, and I know that Scotty is oh, going to be... Uh -oh. Mrs. Harris told me you had my beautiful dog in here. And I... I... What is that horrible monstrosity? That horrible monstrosity is your beautiful dog. What happened to her? She used to have hair on top of her head and all along the top of her shoulders. Now she has it hanging from her chin and under her stomach. Turn her upside down. She'll be as good as new. <laughs> I should have known better than to leave her here with you two maniacs. Come, man and Bovary, we're going home. Daddy will pick you up. <laughs> I can't budge her. Remley, you put too much glue on her stomach and she's stuck to the floor. Pull a little harder, Scotty. <laughs> oh, oh, you poor dog. But don't worry. 
We'll get back at those two right now. Now, wait a minute, Scotty. Wait a minute. Take it easy. Don't stick that dog on that. Dog nothing. I'm going to bite you myself. I can explain. I didn't mean to. Scotty, stop chewing on my leg. Take off your guard, you coward. This is Phil Harris, and right now, I'm going to tell you about something that is very close to me. Somewhere is a youngster who needs a pal, a boy who may be fatherless or just an unhappy, unfortunate kid. Whatever the reason, the big brothers of America are ready to help, and you can help, too, if you're a big brother. Beginning next Sunday is National Big Brother Week. Give your own heart a warm feeling by joining up, won't you? Write Big Brothers of America, Philadelphia 3, Pennsylvania. Big Brothers of America, Philadelphia 3, Pennsylvania. Do that. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Gail Gordon and Sam Freeberg. Frank Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. And now for Phil and Alice and all the gang, and for the Rexall Drug Company and your Rexall family druggist, this is Bill Foreman saying aloha to all from Rexall. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Richard Diamond, followed by the great Gildersleeve. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.